0: Welcome into a somber Busting Brackets podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, joined as always by my co-host, Connor Hope. Unfortunate news today, the NCAA canceling the NCAA tournament. Connor, it's news that we knew was coming, uh, especially uh, Wednesday night after the NBA decided to suspend the rest of their season. We figured it was only a matter of time. We were hoping for a similar situation where they postponed it. Uh, certainly, as college basketball fans, you never want to see something of this magnitude and the championship for your sport be straight-up canceled. Uh, but the NCAA has decided that that's the best course of action uh, to take to combat the COVID-19 virus, the coronavirus. Um, it's, it's not a, a fun topic to have your season just cut short So suddenly, halfway through, or right when your most exciting and important time of the year was just getting started, Uh, what are some of your initial reactions? What were your thoughts when you first heard the news?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that we were all kind of bracing for, um, especially after the Ivy League started canceling everything uh, on their end, considering that five of the eight Ivy League schools are top 25 medical programs, research programs, um, Harvard is a member of the Global Virus Network. And, and so when that that group kind of started canceling not just their their tournaments but also their spring sports, um, followed by the NBA, followed by uh, a lot of the conference tournaments, the NHL, MLBs pushed back their season. Uh, a lot of soccer uh, leagues over in Europe are canceling theirs. You, you kind of knew that this was coming and it was a slow process so it wasn't like it just hit you but yeah i mean it's it's unfortunate it's unfortunate for the players and the coaches who worked all year long to get to this point Um, it's unfortunate for the fans and i think for once you look at it though saying that even though it might have taken them a little bit longer than it probably should have the ncaa got this one right
0: 100 percent and all week was they've been kind of building up to this first with uh, the conference tournaments being canceled then played without fans. And then the conference tournaments canceled and now the NCAA tournament being canceled throughout the way you've had people, you know, essentially being the tough guy, figuring it, it's not a big deal, but we saw on the NBA, one guy gets it and suddenly the entire league is in flux and there are 30 NBA teams and there are 350 plus college basketball teams and with all of them playing against each other this week, it just takes one positive case for it to suddenly affect everybody. And the CAA had a case where an official who worked two games during the CAA tournament, including the championship game between Hofstra and Northeastern, which Hofstra won, was going to go on to the NCAA tournament, tested positive for coronavirus. And so by medical protocol, what they're telling us is that if you come in contact with somebody who is a confirmed case of corona- with coronavirus, you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days because that's about the time it takes for the virus to, to run its course. So you would take the entire Hofstra team, instead of p- them playing the NCAA tournament, and quarantining them for two weeks. And just the logistics of it would have been an absolute nightmare. Um, I think we would have all liked to have seen them postpone it and i'm sure the ncaa would have loved to have postponed it and tried to go back to it later but there's just so many logistical challenges with this not to mention cases uh, for players who who don't show any symptoms or coaches or we had a scary situation with fred hoiberg when he was on the sidelines of the big 10 tournament game they were playing against indiana um, uh, where it looked like he may have had it but he ended up taken to the hospital they quarantined the, the nebraska team Tested positive for the flu, not for coronavirus. So that was, you know, a small win, probably the only instance you're excited you have the flu. Um, it, it just takes one of those cases for everything to get thrown out of whack and put a lot of people in danger, plus all of the people who have it that don't show any symptoms that could potentially infect other people uh, and, and harm them as well. So for the NCAA, it, it was really a no win situation. But given what everybody has been told and, and what they've been told from the leaders in this field on how to prevent the spread of infectious diseases, this is essentially what they had to do, even though as fans, we may not like the fact that our March Madness is being taken away from us.
1: Yeah, and I, I've been joking about it for the last probably 48 hours, you know, um, and, and there is a lot of, uh, you know this is a serious situation canceling the ncaa tournament in the long run is not as serious of a situation as as anything else involved and so i've been making a lot of jokes but i mean heck disney's not not opening their parks And yeah. when disney shuts down you know you know something's up so i, I feel for guys like kj fagan Idoku azabuki and and other seniors ryan woolridge who uh had an opportunity either in the case of Woolridge and Fagan to play in their first NCAA tournament or in the case of Azabuki, where it was a little bit more personal. Um, We all know the situation where Mm -hmm. getting to the final four is like the opportunity he has to see his family. So I I feel for them. uh, But in the long run, you know, it it was the right decision. Uh, And it's just unfortunate that, you know, the college basketball it ends this way uh, that some of these athletes in spring sports don't get to play compete for an entire year um, mm-hmm. essentially so but but logistically I mean if they had waited any longer the the or delayed it or anything like that the PR surrounding it might have been even worse so I, I get worse. it I get it A, and I was expecting it earlier than it came out but I think that once Every conference tournament ended today, um, and it took the the MiAC and the MAC a little bit longer than the others. But uh, once mm-hmm. they all once they all canceled their tournaments, I think you kind of knew that the NCAA was going to be next.
0: Once that happened, and Duke essentially pulled out, and then some of the conferences started pulling out, you knew it was only a matter of time before the NCAA announce it and while it is the NCAA and I know we don't trust them to make the best decisions I'm going to believe that them sort of not dragging this out but waiting until the late afternoon to announce it when they did you have to believe that they were looking at all other options as opposed to canceling it because at at the end of the day this is a billion dollar three weeks for them right They, they don't want to cancel this just as much as we don't want it to be canceled you know it, it makes no fiscal sense to do so, and I, I think it, the delay was more of, of them exploring every possible avenue for a recourse, for a postponement, for something other than canceling it. But ultimately, this is this is essentially what had to be done. So now we flip the page a little bit and look at what it means and what's next college basketball you mentioned the spring sports the NCAA has canceled all of their spring championships so none of the spring sports are are going to happen it's easier to deal with the athletes from that perspective uh, from a spring sport because essentially you can amount this to a redshirt year for all of them because they didn't play and so you don't have to stretch NCAA rules or make a new exception for them they didn't play so they get a redshirt, and I think we'll see that for the spring sports. But for the winter sports and for basketball specifically, it's a bit of a trickier issue because you have um, a lot has been brought up since this happened about the seniors who aren't going to get the chance to play uh, in this event they they've worked so hard for and this is their last chance to do so. A lot of coaches, Oklahoma State's Mike Boyton, uh, Gonzaga's Mark few, uh, just to name a couple, have been in favor of giving seniors, the chance to come back for one more season of eligibility next year should they choose to in order to make sure that they do have that chance to play in the NCAA tournament. I I would be in favor of this. I think it's smart to give those seniors, especially the ones that earned it when they had worked their entire careers to get this point. Hofstra immediately comes to mind. Boston University, the transfers for Gonzaga, some of these teams that you knew we were going to be in. Rutgers probably making their first tournament uh, in 26, 27 years. I like the idea of giving them a chance to come back for that other, for that last chance that they had ripped away from them for something that was absolutely out of their control. I think Fran Fischilla, uh, I think it was Fran Fischilla who made a good point about the fact it would also increase the level of play across college basketball because it would essentially mitigate the mass loss of underclassmen we've seen the last couple of years going to the NBA draft. We now have another class of experienced seniors and that's only going to increase the level of play. I, I think it makes a lot of sense, but I don't know logistically and scholarship wise, how the NCAA would go about making it work. But to me, that's an interesting idea that I think would make a lot of sense. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. And I, and I see the motivation behind the comment from of that nature, from from both Boyton and uh, Few, uh, simply because they have s- key seniors on their right. teams. Um, I point to Killian Tilly. He was a guy who probably needed the postseason, needed the NCAA tournament to make his final, like a final stamp on his not only his career but also any chance he still had left of having any sort of NBA stock um in terms of injuries he needed he needed a fully healthy NCAA tournament and he wasn't able to get that um I think that it's a good idea to explore and in order to make it work you'd probably need to hand out one or two uh senior only conditional scholarships to teams um so you'd probably have to do something of that nature you know you, you have you have your your normal, Set amount of scholarships and then we'll add two more to any seniors who decide to return. Um, but but then you get into then you get into issues too of you know well, what if a one team had no uh, seniors and mm-hmm. and then they can't over recruit like like another school. But um, so there's a lot of logistics that would go into it that I have, don't. I'm not confident that that's an option the NCAA will seriously consider. Um, but. When you have teams like San Diego State and Dayton who put themselves into, into spots where they could legitimately have won the national championship um, and they will probably lose a lot of their talent this year. And, and I'm, I'm not sure. Actually, I would be willing to bet that even if this option were open, um, that guys like K.J. Fagan might not return. Uh, you know for a fact that Obi Toppin would in return, but he's not a senior, so he's not a guy we're we're really talking about in this sense. Um, but I, I just I just don't know how that gets done. Uh, from from it is a, a
0: logistical nightmare. Yeah. From a pure, I think I don't I don't want to call it a, a morality standpoint, but just from a sure feel good standpoint, you want to be able to do something for these kids who have poured their time and effort in and uh, aren't getting the chance that either they earned um, or, or were likely to get. Now, you know, it, the NCAA may very end up just saying tough luck, it, it happens. Um, and I don't think you can actually, Well, it wouldn't feel good and be another sort of bad optic situation for the NCAA, I don't think you could fault them for saying that because this isn't the NCAA's fault either, right? Like, this is just something... Once in a lifetime, super weird, worldwide pandemic. What, like, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah. you know, like the, the best thing you can do is just sort of handle that, and anything else that comes with it, has to has to come after. Uh, I, I want to go back to Dayton and San Diego State, though, because I think this is gonna impact a lot of programs negatively as well. Uh, those schools were in prime position to make a really big run and both of them were under coaches who are still pretty early in their tenure there and each would have had an opportunity with a long run in March to really validate the incredible regular seasons that they had and get some serious momentum going behind their programs. We've seen this happen with tournaments before Gonzaga using some tournament runs to sort of build up that program and now they've been able to sustain it but Gonzaga is not the program they are without those first couple NCAA tournament runs. They made Wichita state, same kind of boat when they made the final four Butler at the start of the decade, you know, was, it was a fine team in the horizon league, but they go to the NCAA tournament championship game twice. And now they're a power conference school. The NCAA tournament has, has a ability to change the fortunes of an entire program an entire coaches, coaching staffs based on what happens. And it stinks that there is this missed opportunity for schools like Dayton, San Diego State, who were in really good position to take advantage of that and by and in turn put themselves in position to continue sort of the the trajectory they were on in coming years. And now uh, it's certainly much tougher to do that.
1: Yeah, and and not just from an athletics perspective either. I mean, I know um, when Gonzaga went on their run to the NCAA championship game in 2017, it impacted not only their their athletics, but it also increased their just normal academic uh, application count by yeah, a lot. It, it
0: increases enrollment. It increases funds that come into college, both from sponsorships from student fees, it, it, it's a huge impact on the university as a whole.
1: Right, and especially for these smaller schools who really re- rely on um, some of these funds from either from their, their share uh, that they get from just playing in and, and maybe winning a couple games in the NCAA tournament um, to sustain some of these athletic programs, especially in, in these conferences that are primed for buy games during the regular season. I mean, the missed opportunity to to earn that money uh, the revenue share from that is is uh, something that will be tough for some of these smaller conferences. I'm looking at the the SWAC or the NEAC winners and, and um, really kind of like okay, well, you know that's 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 tough. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing that I'm gonna be the one thing that's gonna that hasn't really been talked about much um, outside of Michael Hunter and I going back and forth on this, and maybe a couple of people here or there, is how this impacts certain things that. Aren't necessarily tournament or senior related. Uh, I'm talking mainly about Georgia Tech because and Georgia Tech ban. Uh, at the beginning of the season self-imposed a postseason ban for this year. Um, do they count it? Because theoretically, the ACC tournament had already started, but I don't believe that they they would have been what the fifth or sixth seed.
0: I think it would have been number five. Number yeah.
1: five. And that game hadn't been played yet. And mm-hmm. so technically, they never actually served any sort of ban um, of any consequence. and and so they're they're self imposing, is that going to get extended? I mean there are a lot of logistical yeah. things at the NCAA because if that's not if that is ex- if not extended, so say the NCAA says, well, you you served your ban, um, you can play again. then what happens to other schools that may get a postseason ban handed down in the coming months. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're really looking at a logistical, a logistical nightmare from, from just a, a rules and compliance perspective on that one.
0: Yeah. I hadn't even thought about the retroactive postseason ban, because I think with the NCAA, with Georgia tech, the NCAA can pretty easily say, you know, you had put this in before we knew any of this was going to be an issue. You technically didn't play in the postseason, right? You, We're not going to extend your punishment because because having that cloud hang over your program hurts recruiting and yeah. hurts everything associated with, with the program. So we're not going to extend that cloud another year because you were willing to uh, take your punishment now by, I don't want to call it luck of the draw, but just by circumstances that occurred, nobody ended up playing in this. It will be interesting to see because you know some of these schools that are wrapped up in the FBI investigation. And I'm going to talk to Kansas, talk about Kansas, because Kansas is the only school or the most recent high-profile school to respond to the NCAA's notice of allegations. Um, I think most are anticipating them getting some kind of postseason ban from the NCAA because of what happened with the FBI investigation probably before the 2021 tournament is set to begin do they try and argue retroactively that the 2020 NCAA tournament that isn't happening should count for that ban? And I I personally don't buy that argument because, uh, again, they were ready to play it if it happened, and it, it just didn't happen for reasons that are out of their control. I don't think you can retroactively fit that in because of what we'll call an act of God here with yeah. the coronavirus. But, you know, that's going to be an argument that's made. And if they're going to point to Georgia Tech saying, well, this counted for their postseason ban," why can't it count for ours? I don't know. Uh, from, a, from a legal standpoint, I don't know how you try to wiggle your way out of that.
1: I, I, think, I think what will have to be done is the, the NCAA will have to go, go at it from an in-good-faith stance. Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. in good faith, implemented their own postseason ban prior to any of this being known with the understanding that if it happened, they wouldn't be able to play, um, and yeah. Kansas and these other programs didn't. And so it, it's more of the intent of that ban and less about the uh, what actually happened. And I think that's how you have to go. But, I mean, if they extend Georgia Tech's ban, say, look, the NCAA tournament didn't um, – you know, happen, we're going to ban you next year. I mean, that not only is that huge from a recruiting perspective moving forward, but you look at it and Jordan Usher is a senior next year, Jose Alvarado is a senior next year, Moses yeah. Wright's a senior next year, uh, Bubba is a senior next year. They would be a team that I could legitimately see finishing in the top four in the ACC next year and Absolutely. to extend it against them because. You know, something completely out of their control happened after they decided on their own accord to to handle their own punishment internally is, is I don't think, in good faith on the NCAA's part. But it's going to be interesting to see because they're the one program that stuck out to me as, as a program that, when all is said and done, could have a lasting impact moving forward in terms of of, you know, how much it hurts their recruiting.
0: There's also the coaching aspect of this. You think Ashaka Smart right off the bat, a guy who, I I would say for the most part, had to make the NCAA tournament in order to keep his job, and was getting ready to play a must-win game against Texas Tech before the Big 12 tournament got canceled. And I I think had this happened a month ago, before Texas went on that streak, I I don't think I think he's probably gone, but now with the way they finished the season with sort of the unanswered questions about how the postseason would have gone for them, does he keep his job now? Uh, Does Danny Manning get a chance to keep his job at Wake Forest? Um, Is is the pressure suddenly cooled on, on Jim Christian at Boston College because of this? Uh, now, obviously, they don't. Have, those who didn't have the the same stake sort of on the line here, Shaka Smart did. Um, but I'll be curious to see how these schools who were entering March uh, and mid March and March Madness with coaching questions, how they handle these vacancies. How do you, how would you expect a school? Let's just let's just pick on Texas here. How would you expect Texas to go about handling this now?
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely interesting because if you look at Shaka Smart and you look at a guy like Jared Haas at Stanford, um, yeah, I would put them in very similar situations where I don't necessarily think Haas would have been fired this year if he didn't make the NCAA tournament, uh, but he would have definitely been put in a situation where next year was probably going to be the the last straw. He needed he needed to do something, um, and he had an opportunity to play a game in his tournament and lost, and. Yeah. Oof. Shaka Smart uh, may may actually have been saved by not having to play that game because I think now you can make the argument well Texas was right on the bubble um, they probably had to win that game to get in but mm. uh, not playing that game you know we don't know what would have happened and and if I were a betting man I probably would have taken Texas Tech so the 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 it might have actually helped him, save his job. I kind of agree with you on, on Christian and Manning. I, I think they were gone regardless because outside of a, an ACC tournament championship, neither of them were going to make the NCAA tournament whereas Shaka Smart, really if he had beaten Texas Tech and then lost uh, in the in the semifinals I, I think he probably makes the NCAA tournament and, and at least uh, kind of has an argument to save his job there.
0: I think it absolutely gives Texas the uh, opportunity, if not the likelihood, to talk themselves into another year of Shaka to avoid the buyout. Now, I still say Texas would make a move if John Beeline showed interest. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the X factor in that case specifically. Um, and, and that carrot is still out there for some teams too. Oh. Is so, is John Beeline worth going after over your coach? And there are a lot of schools that would probably say yes, but with the way this season ended, I don't know how eager a lot of them are going to be to make that um, over the stability of having a, their coach in place, particularly if he's doing an okay job.
1: I, I think that a lot of these schools, especially the the major conference schools, are going to wait um, for at least the first round of players declaring to really – because if, if a lot of players declare from your school – or tr- uh, announce intent to transfer, then you can kind of start off on a fresh slate. Then I could see bringing line in. But if you have a lot of these Because, I mean, that's the thing with the NCAA tournament, too, is that it, it brings up names for possible, you know, second round, possibly even high... Or uh, late first round draft picks. Uh, and, and it can help players that haven't necessarily been on the radar uh strongly prior to that it can, I'm, I'm talking... it can
0: help coaches too i yeah. mean we saw shaka get the texas job because of the final four when vcu went on and andy enfield got the usc job because he took florida gulf coast to the sweet 16
1: right but i'm, I'm talking about guys like jordan bell who mm-hmm. while he was good for oregon the entire season his run to the final four with oregon really is what allowed him to to kind of push his way into that into that second like that draft mix um yeah. and so i could see I, I i'm on the fence because it is such a i don't want to say weak it's weak at the top but it's it is weak. it is such a it's weak. a weak and shallow draft class that i could see more players initially declaring just to see where they are compared to the rest of their class but it's also a situation in which if you're a player that has been pretty good for most of the season and you, because you didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament, you haven't had as much exposure, you might decide to stay. And yeah. you, you might see some of these guys who who may have had... Uh, I'll, I'll use Joel A.I., for example, for, from Gonzaga, who if he had been able to play in the NCAA tournament, seeing as he did so well in the WCC tournament, um, may have improved his draft stock enough to to justify declaring i could see him coming back now simply because he didn't have that opportunity at the end of the season to play against what most would consider the top teams in the country
0: he probably would have done really well too he's somebody that i'm really excited to see next year should he come back to gonzaga but that's the thing too we'll see because the season's over now we'll probably see a lot of players declare early um much earlier than normal. I think we'll still see that wave sort of come out now. But with the NBA suspending their season for at least 30 days, all the draft stuff gets pushed back as well, including the deadline to return to college. So these colleges now are going to be in a waiting game that starts a month before it normally does, and is going to last at least a month longer than it normally does as well. So we're going to see a really weird offseason from a, a, a draft and roster construction standpoint as well, because it may be may not be till August until we know for sure who's coming back uh, and who's going. Yeah. And if if the if the NCAA decides to keep the same schedule, you'd have two or three months to get these guys together before you're playing games again in November. Yep. I don't. I don't. I'm be interested to see how the NCAA. Handles that, and how schools handle that when it comes to coaching searches and potential pursuits of John Beeline.
1: Yeah, I think if if any school is going to make a move for Beeline, it's going to have to be uh, probably by the end of March, mm-hmm. um, because after that you're in such a waiting game that you know you by the time you make a decision or by the time anything actually happens to make to help you make that decision, it's going to be too late. Um, so I'm looking at, uh, probably smaller programs, high, smaller major programs who are kind of on the edge with their current head coaches making that move, um, early, uh, Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure if you're Texas, how you can make a decision within the next three to four weeks, unless your decision was made in January.
0: Yeah, or, or unless Beeline's agent calls you and, is, and says, my client's interested, how much can you offer? Right. You know? All right, well, normally at the end of these podcasts, we've been giving bold predictions this year. We're not going to do that, obviously, because there's nothing to predict. But, Connor, I did sort of want to look back at the year because it's been about as abnormal of a season – as there could possibly be. Well, the
1: past week made it the most abnormal season that we've probably ever had in college yeah. basketball. Um, well, so.
0: I, out, outside of this, the yeah. NCAA tournament being canceled and everything going on right now, what are you going to most remember about the 2019-2020 college basketball season?
1: Um, so on a personal note, I think that the, the what I'm going to most remember is um, I had the opportunity and we've spoke about in the past to head out to Stockton, California to watch Pepperdine versus uh, Pacific and play in what is essentially just an old basketball barn. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I was kind of excited to see some of these games played without fans because it gives you a different perspective uh, to have such an intimate uh, experience watching people play basketball at a Division One caliber level. Um, so that's a personal note. So the other thing I, I uh, will remember really about the season is just the sheer amount of quality individual players in the mid-major ranks. Um, we've always, you know, we've always had guys like Mike Dom, uh, Chris Clemens, John Morant in the past. But we've never had such a good group of mid-major players who really you could put them at the at the same level as some of the top uh, major conference players and feel pretty good about about it. Um, in the past, you know, we've had the you know John Morant, and it was always like an anomaly. But this year we had uh, P- Philip Petrusev, Obi Toppin, Malachi Flynn and a whole host of others, Yoli Childs. And so just that parody on an individual level um, just as much as there was kind of parody on a, on a team-by-team level.
0: I think I'll look back and remember this. Well, first off, I'll remember Trey Jones' missed free throw against North Carolina. I, I think just living in, in Raleigh, And in the Triangle area, that's something that's going to live on forever and something we're going to see every year, just like we're seeing the Austin Rivers shot every year now. But I think I'll remember the fact that we could have had a Final Four full of mid-majors, or at least a Final Four that was a majority mid-majors. Because there there was not, not out of their own possibility for Gonzaga, San Diego State, Dayton, and somebody else to to make up the final 4. It would have been a it was a year for the non-traditional teams to be powers. Right. We had them in majors up there with Gonzaga, Dayton, San Diego State. Rutgers was going to make the tournament. Penn State was going to make the tournament. All of these programs that traditionally were have been awful. Right. Especially the power conferences. We're going, we're good and we're going to make the tournament and we're probably going to make noise. Right. I I think that that's, that's, I'll remember. I don't want to say that I'll remember the what could have been, but I'll remember the weirdness of the season in terms of the teams that were actually good.
1: Yeah. And, and just the competitiveness um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of these conferences. I mean, if you're a Big Ten fan, take, take out, take out the postseason because, we took out the postseason, but this was probably the most fun big ten season that I can remember ever watching. Oh yeah. Um the Pac twelve was all sorts of weird. Uh and so a lot Not of these again. a lot of these conferences, um they just had fantastically crazy seasons where the top three teams in the Pac-12, even even now, I'm, I'm certain that the top three teams in the Pac-12 were seated, what, one, uh, five, and seven? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yep. uh, yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see all of this kind of unfold on the grandest stage, but what we did get during the season— was something that I don't think that will be will be replicated uh, any time in the near future.
0: No, and, and I think that was one of the things that was gonna, going to make the tournament so fun, along with guys like Miles Powell and Peyton Pritchard potentially having a Kemba-like run. I think there was potential for, not only for the landscape across the country, but in terms of the quality of player that we had, in certain cases like that, to for one guy to kind of step up and do, and do that. So I think it was a missed opportunity for somebody to make themselves a legend. Right. And that kind of stinks. Yeah. Well, especially the whole, the whole thing stinks.
1: It does. And I mean, especially if you're, if you're like me, I, I, I would consider the WCC, my primary conference of, of fandom. And, mm-hmm. You're not going to see Jordan Ford next year. Um, You're not going to see Haas or Toulson next year. And so you're just – you're not going to see – probably not going to see Killian Tilly or Adam Gilder – well, definitely not going to see Killian Tilly or Adam Gilder or Ryan Woolridge next year unless the NCAA Mm -hmm. does something tragic or drastic. Uh, um, But that's kind of sad because I I was excited to see – what jordan ford would be able to do in the tournament i was excited to see how teams matched up against the three-point shooting of byu um and and that's really i mean that's that's really going to be tough um just as much as it's going to be tough for uh a team like boston university who Mm. upset colgate to, to punch their ticket and then all of a sudden they don't get to play um In the NCAA tournament and and some of these other schools that, you know, get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament once in a decade. And Mm. that chance is kind of taken from them. I I just, I joke about it on Twitter, but there's also part of me that's like, you kind of have to feel for these guys, which is why I don't think it's fair when a coach or a player comes out and expresses their frustration. For yeah, for people be to frustrated too. To for people to vilify it because it is. I mean, everyone's frustrated and they all understand that this was a decision that had to be made, but they also understand that this was a decision that hurts them more than it hurts any fan. So
0: it's tough. I mean it It's tough. We're sitting here on recording this on March twelfth and college basketball is done. Yep. It's it's uh it's a it's a sad sad time and unfortunately that's going to throw us into the offseason a month sooner than expected. Um, we'll be back with these podcasts throughout the off season obviously to prepare you for the NBA draft and then the 2020 2021 season. We'll probably be a little bit more intermittent with these podcasts though, probably about once a month uh, unless things start ramping up Uh, and there's a need for more. There will be some emergency pods along the way, I'm sure. Um, But I want to go ahead and thank all of our listeners who have been tuning in all season. If you haven't, please subscribe, um, so that way when we do record in the off-season, you'll get it immediately on your phone. Uh, Again, really appreciate everybody listening throughout the season, and thank you all for joining us on this journey that I think ended in a less-than-satisfactory fashion for all of us, although... I think we all certainly understand and respect why it had to happen. So for my co-host Connor Hope, I'm Brian Ralph. Thank you guys again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.